Section 25 of Iola Leroy, or Shadows Uplifted. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Iola Leroy, or Shadows Uplifted, by Francis E. W. Harper. Chapter 25. An Old Friend. "'Good morning, Miss Leroy,' said a cheery voice in tones of glad surprise. And, intercepting her path, Dr. Gresham stood before Iola, smiling and reaching out his hand. "'Why, Dr. Gresham, is this you?' said Iola, lifting her eyes to that well-remembered face. "'It has been several years since we met. How have you been all this time, and where?' "'I have been sick, and am just now recovering from malaria and nervous prostration.' I am attending a medical convention in this city, and hope that I shall have the pleasure of seeing you again. Iola hesitated, and then replied, I should be pleased to have you call. It would give me great pleasure. Where shall I call? My home is 1006 South Street, but I am only at home in the evenings. They walked together a short distance till they reached Mr. Cloton's store, then, bidding the doctor good morning, Iola left him repeating to himself the words of his favorite poet. Thou art too lovely and precious a gem to be bound to their burdens and sullied by them. No one noticed the deep flush on Iola's face as she entered the store, nor the subdued quiet manner with which she applied herself to her tasks. She was living over again the past with its tender, sad, and thrilling reminiscences. In the evening, Dr. Gresham called on Iola. She met him with a pleasant welcome. Dr. Gresham gazed upon her with unfeigned admiration, and thought that the years, instead of detracting from, had only intensified her loveliness. He had thought her very beautiful in the hospital, in her gray dress and white collar, with her glorious wealth of hair drawn over her ears. But now, when he saw her with that hair artistically arranged and her finely proportioned form arrayed in a dark crimson dress, relieved by a shimmer of lace and a bow of white ribbon at her throat, he thought her superbly handsome. The lines which care had written upon her young face had faded away. There was no undertone of sorrow in her voice as she stood up before him in the calm loveliness of her ripened womanhood, radiant in beauty and gifted in intellect. Time and failing health had left their traces upon Dr. Gresham. His step was less bounding, his cheek a trifle paler, his manner somewhat graver than it was when he had parted from Iola in the hospital. But his meeting with her had thrilled his heart with unexpected pleasure. Hopes and sentiments which long had slept awoke at the touch of her hand and the tones of her voice and Dr. Gresham found himself turning to the past with its sad memories and disappointed hopes. No other face had displaced her image in his mind. No other love had woven itself around every tendril of his soul. His heart and hand were just as free as they were the hour they had parted. "'To see you again,' said Dr. Gresham, "'is a great and unexpected pleasure.' "'You had not forgotten me, then?' said Iola, smiling." Forget you? I would just as soon forget my own existence. I do not think that time will ever efface the impressions of those days in which we met so often. 
when last we met you were intending to search for your mother have you been successful more than successful said iola with a joyous ring in her voice i have found my mother brother grandmother and uncle and except my brother we are all living together and we are so happy excuse me a few minutes she said and left the room iola soon returned bringing with her her mother and grandmother these said iola introducing her mother and grandmother are the once severed branches of our family and this gentleman you have seen before continued iola as robert entered the room dr gresham looked scrutinizingly at him and said your face looks familiar but i saw so many faces at the hospital that i cannot just now recall your name doctor said robert johnson i was one of your last patients and i was with tom anderson when he died oh yes replied dr gresham it all comes back to me you were wounded at the battle of five forks were you not yes said robert i saw you when you were recovering you told me that you thought you had a clue to your lost relatives from whom you had been so long separated how have you succeeded admirably i have been fortunate in finding my mother my sister and her children ah indeed i am delighted to hear it where are they they are right here this is my mother said robert bending fondly over her as she returned his recognition with an expression of intense satisfaction and this he continued is my sister and miss leroy is my niece is it possible i am very glad to hear it it has been said that every cloud has its silver lining and the silver lining of our war cloud is the redemption of a race and the reunion of severed hearts war is a dreadful thing but worse than the war was the slavery which preceded it slavery said iola was a fearful cancer eating into the nation's heart sapping its vitality and undermining its life and war said dr gresham was the dreadful surgery by which the disease was eradicated the cancer has been removed but for years to come i fear that we will have to deal with the effects of the disease but i believe that we have vitality enough to outgrow those effects i think doctor said iola that there is but one remedy by which our nation can recover from the evil entailed upon her by slavery what is that asked robert a fuller comprehension of the claims of the gospel of jesus christ and their application to our national life yes said robert while politicians are stumbling on the barren mountains of fretful controversy and asking what shall we do with the negro i hold that jesus answered that question nearly two thousand years ago when he said whatsoever ye would that men should do to you do ye even so to them yes said dr gresham the application of that rule in dealing with the negro would solve the whole problem slavery said mrs leroy is dead but the spirit which animated it still lives and i think that a reckless disregard for human life is more the outgrowth of slavery than any actual hatred of the negro the problem of the nation continued dr gresham is not what men will do with the negro but what will they do with the reckless lawless white men who murder lynch and burn their fellow-citizens to me these lynchings and burnings are perfectly alarming both races have reacted on each other men fettered the slave and cramped their own souls 
denied him knowledge, and darkened their spiritual insight, subdued him to the pliancy of submission, and in their turn became the thralls of public opinion. The Negro came here from the heathenism of Africa, but the young colonies could not take into their early civilization a stream of barbaric blood without being affected by its influence, and the Negro, poor and despised as he is, has laid his hands on our southern civilization and helped mold its character. Yes, said Mrs. Leroy, the colored nurse could not nestle her master's child in her arms, hold up his baby footsteps on their floors, and walk with him through the impressible and formative period of his young life without leaving upon him the impress of her hand. I am glad, said Robert, for the whole nation's sake, that slavery has been destroyed. And our work, said Dr. Gresham, is to build over the desolations of the past a better and brighter future. The great distinction between savagery and civilization is the creation and maintenance of law. A people cannot habitually trample on law and justice without retrograding toward barbarism. But I am hopeful that time will bring us changes for the better, that, as we get farther away from the war, we will outgrow the animosities and prejudices engendered by slavery. The short-sightedness of our fathers linked the Negro's destiny to ours. We are feeling the friction of the ligatures which bind us together, but I hope that the time will speedily come when the best members of both races will unite for the maintenance of law and order and the progress and prosperity of the country, and that the intelligence and virtue of the South will be strong to grapple effectually with its ignorance and vice. I hope that time will speedily come, said Marie. My son is in the South and I am always anxious for his safety. He is not only a teacher, but a leading young man in the community where he lives. Yes, said Robert, and when I see the splendid work he is doing in the South, I am glad that, instead of trying to pass for a white man, he has cast his lot with us. But, answered Dr. Gresham, he would possess advantages as a white man which he could not if he were known to be colored. Doctor, said Iola, decidedly, he has greater advantages as a colored man. I do not understand you, said Dr. Gresham, looking somewhat puzzled. Doctor, continued Iola, I do not think life's highest advantages are those that we can see with our eyes or grasp with our hands. To whom today is the world most indebted, to its millionaires or to its martyrs? Taking it from the ideal standpoint, replied the doctor, I should say its martyrs. To be, continued Iola, the leader of a race to higher planes of thought and action, to teach men clearer views of life and duty, and to inspire their souls with loftier aims, is a far greater privilege than it is to open the gates of material prosperity and fill every home with sensuous enjoyment. And I, said Mrs. Leroy, her face aglow with fervid feeling, would rather, ten thousand times rather, see harry the friend and helper of the poor and ignorant than the companion of men who under the cover of night mask their faces and ride the country on lawless raids dr gresham said robert we ought to be the leading nation of the earth whose influence and example should give light to the world not simply said iola a nation building up a great material prosperity founding magnificent cities grasping the commerce of the world 
or excelling in literature, art, and science, but a nation wearing sobriety as a crown and righteousness as the girdle of her loins. Dr. Gresham gazed admiringly upon Iola. A glow of enthusiasm overspread her beautiful, expressive face. There was a rapt and far-off look in her eye, as if she were looking beyond the present pain to a brighter future for the race with which she was identified, and felt the grandeur of a divine commission to labor for its uplifting. As Dr. Gresham was parting with Robert, he said, This meeting has been a very unexpected pleasure. I have spent a delightful evening. I only regret that I had not others to share it with me. A doctor from the South, a regular bourbon, is stopping at the hotel. I wish he could have been here tonight. Come down to the Concordia, Mr. Johnson, tomorrow night. If you know any colored man who is a strong champion of equal rights, bring him along. Good night. I shall look for you, said the doctor as he left the door. When Robert returned to the parlor, he said to Iola, Dr. Gresham has invited me to come to his hotel tomorrow night and to bring some wide-awake colored man with me. There is a southerner whom he wishes me to meet. I suppose he wants to discuss the Negro problem, as they call it. He wants someone who can do justice to the subject. I wonder whom I can take with me. I will tell you who, I think, will be a capital one to take with you, and I believe he would go, said Iola. Who? asked Robert. Reverend Carmichael, your pastor. He is just the one, said Robert, courteous in his manner and very scholarly in his attainments. He is a man whom, if everybody hated him, no one could despise him. End of chapter 25 Recording by James K. White Chula Vista